drops the ball. Pigs have flown. Hell is frozen over. The Saints are on their way to the Super Bowl. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into today's episode of Locked On Saints, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A on Twitter, editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com and your host covering your New Orleans Saints every single Monday through Friday. Today, we got a couple of Twitter Tuesday questions that we'll hit at the end of our show. How will the Saints get their energy if there are no fans in the stands? Will there be a black and gold scrimmage even without preseason games? But before we get to those. Let's talk about the NFL and NFLPA's newest progress in their negotiations ahead of the 2020 training camp, testing protocols, camp, preseason, even regular season details coming to light yesterday. We'll recap all of that in its logistics and then talk about how it affects your New Orleans Saints. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. After what feels like ages of conversation and negotiation, the NFL and NFLPA have finally made some substantial progress toward the 2020 season. That's our New Orleans Saints lead story of the day today with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. So the NFL and NFLPA finally agreeing to some terms here, particularly when it comes to testing protocols, while some other proposals and offerings have been made in terms of camp, reporting, preseason, regular season, economics and financials, a lot of different elements. So let's go ahead and break down everything that we know so far about the NFL and NFLPA negotiations ahead of players and teams reporting for training camp. So let's start off with testing, as this so far has been agreed to by the NFL, NFLPA, and the medical experts involved in negotiations as well. So anyone entering facilities must take two tests separated by a 72-hour period. During those 72 hours, the player, staff member, coach, whomever it may be, has to be quarantined or self-quarantined either in their hotel room or at home, whichever is most applicable, between and, and throughout those 72 hours. This basically allows a player to come in, get their first test taken. If that player has the coronavirus, but the results of the test have not come back yet. That's why they're quarantining for 72 hours. That way they stay away from team facilities. Then they come through and take another test, which must also be negative before they can report again. So they have to pass players, staff, coaches, media, everybody has to pass two different tests and has to have two negatives separated by a 72 hour period before they can report to camp. Players and staff will then begin daily testing. This is something that the NFLPA, the union fought very, very hard for. They're going to get daily testing for the first two weeks, beginning on the fifth day of camp. So you have the first day, the first test, 72 hours of quarantine, the second test. And then on the fifth day, they begin the two weeks of daily testing. In order to maintain the daily testing, or or really the only way that the daily testing continues, is if over that two-week period, the testing percentages that come back positive are above 5%. That's sort of the threshold. That means that there's more testing needs to be done, contact tracing, things like that. So at that point, the testing would remain daily. If the team reports, and this goes for individual clubs, at less than 5% positivity rates, then that frequency will change to every other day. So this is a very good compromise for the NFL and the union 
and the players. Now, once you get to that point to where you've got media that's also attending, media will be tested once a week. Now let's get into training camp, which is going to be a big 21 day period of ramp up, which includes five to six days of the testing that we just talked about, as well as physicals, another six days of strength and conditioning. Then they go into introducing helmets up until the 18th day. And then on the 20th day of camp, pads end up going on. So this is a bit different from what the NFL PA wanted, which was a full 21 days of strength and conditioning before going into eight days of non-padded work. Very different from what they wanted, but also very different from what the NFL wanted, which was only an eight-day ramp-up period. This is now a 21-day ramp-up period that encapsulates everything that the NFL PA was looking for. Now, the 21-day ramp-up period should pique your ears a little bit because that would mean that this runs beyond where the preseason games were to begin. We've seen a lot of changes in terms of the preseason conversation uh, four preseason games two preseason games we even heard one preseason game early yesterday but by yesterday evening the NFL has officially proposed no preseason games for the 2020 season because they proposed that you can pretty much expect that that's going to be the case that there will be no preseason games for the 2020 league year so that's a big win for the NFLPA if that remains especially on health the NFLPA from the very beginning, as well as the players, didn't want to risk any type of high risk competition when the when the games don't matter and the games don't count toward their records for the regular season, things like that. Uh, it does sink, of course, for the undrafted free agents that are looking to put film down so that they could potentially, you know, latch on with another team, the team that they're not with over the offseason. They want to put film down so that they could potentially get signed elsewhere. They wouldn't get that opportunity here, but this is also a very specific and unique type of offseason altogether. And this would likely potentially lead to smaller pre-cut rosters. The conversation has centered around 75-man rosters going into camp as opposed to 90, but that is still under negotiation and in talks. And perhaps the biggest effect when it comes to the regular season comes in the form of opt-outs. The NFL has offered players opt-outs by written notice before August 1st. Player salary, though, is still in negotiation. Players, once they've opted out, cannot return. They can't They can't sort of go back on it. Once they've opted out, they're out. Players can be traded if they've opted out, but once they're traded to another team, they still are not eligible to return. And this can't be used as a renegotiation tactic or as a holdout because of that fact, right? Nobody can come out and then renegotiate their contract and then come back. Not going to happen. You can be released as a player if you've opted out, but you can't re-sign with another team until the league year is over. And finally, when it comes to financials and economics, according to Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, they're actually closer, the league and the union, closer than expected or closer than we might think to some of these issues, including how to share the revenue loss and take care of the revenue loss when it comes to the salary cap in future seasons, as well as any guaranteed money if the season starts but doesn't finish, if there are any guaranteed funds that are due to players, how to manage that four teams. So finally, some positive and optimistic momentum when it comes to these negotiations between the NFL and the NFLPA. Still more details to work out, including economics and financials, but it's very exciting to hear that they're a little bit closer than everyone sort of expects at this moment. So I'll continue to keep you updated with everything going on with this. But up next, we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about how each of these adjustments affects your New Orleans Saints. We got that coming up for you next year on Locked on Saints, your team every day. All right, y'all. So as we mentioned, some very good and optimistic progress coming from the NFL and NFLPA negotiations heading into training camp here. But still some things that we should talk about as how each of these elements specifically affects the Saints. So I just want to take the sort of broad scope conversation that we just had about what the league is doing and then focus it down a little bit to its individual effects on New Orleans. So we'll start off with 
the testing protocols going into uh, going into the preseason or rather going into camp. Excuse me here. I, I don't think that this has any type of a negative effect or anything. I, this is good news, right? This is this is beneficial for the team because it allows the team to come in, have that first test done, go away for 72 hours. If it comes back negative, they come back to get their second test done. If they get through both of those negative tests, then bam, they're in. And then they're taken care of for the next two weeks of training camp, basically, because they're tested daily for the next two for those two weeks. If they report less than 5% positive percentage ratings at that point, then they go to every other day. So really, they're in a better situation in camp than they are right now where they're not getting tested every single day or they're not getting tested every other day. So this is nothing but positive in terms of how the NFL and the NFLPA really landed on an effective and I think productive uh, place w- when it comes to the testing. I-, I think that that's a fantastic thing. So that's a big benefit for the team and for the fans to sort of rest easy uh, a little bit, right? Because every single day you're going to be wondering, all right, did somebody test positive? Did somebody not test positive? Things like that. So we'll start to learn a lot about how possible an NFL season is very quickly when it comes to training camp. But thankfully, because of the fact that there's no preseason game, there's even time to where if somebody tests positive, that they can recover and then get back into uh, the full, the, not the full swing of things, but get back into the swing of things in time to be available for the regular season. So this is good news, the testing. And that's the best way that I can sum up how that affects the New Orleans Saints is that it's a good thing. But now things start to get a little bit different once you start talking about training camp and once you talk a little bit about preseason as well. When it comes to camp, having this 21-day ramp-up period that essentially gets them prepped and into camp before going into a section of training camp that includes no preseason, just practices and then getting ready for the regular season, that's going to be a huge deal for a lot of these players. Um, A lot of players that are trying to make the team with the Saints still have an opportunity to work with the team and show, hey, I want to be here and give the coaches a reason to keep them around. You hear from a lot of coaches all the time that you know, decisions in terms of roster cuts are often more so, made, more so made in practice and in camp than they are actually made in the preseason games. The preseason games, however, give the give those same players an opportunity to put something on tape for the teams that they didn't latch on to during the offseason so that they could potentially go and sign elsewhere. So your divine Zigbo, for instance, um, you look at Pretty much anybody from the 2017 <laughs> draft class, you look at Boston Scott, Natrell Jamerson, Cameron Moore, even Rick Leonard got a job after the preseason games. So when you look at all of that and take all of that into consideration, that's sort of the biggest hit when it comes to the preseason not being there. But when it comes to camp, the big hit here just simply comes from the fact that you don't have a lot of time to really get these players ready at full speed. So that means that you're going to see, as a lot of people have mentioned, sloppy football in September. But the fact of the matter is that if you've been a Saints fan for the past six, seven years, September football has been sloppy for those six, seven years because you haven't seen starters really playing any meaningful amount of snaps in the in the preseason. You might see them start off a little bit and play a full half if you're lucky, if not just a couple of drives more than likely in the third preseason game. But outside of that, you're watching second team, third team guys. So it's not that huge of a deal in terms of sloppy football when it comes to New Orleans, because New Orleans, first of all, has won with sloppy football here recently in September. We saw that specifically in the 2019 season. But also, New Orleans hasn't really been pushing their starters out during the preseason for many years now. So what you're going to see go out there is going to be maybe the difference of two drives. So that's not that big of a deal. So if these other teams come out sloppy, that's positive for the Saints who have come out 
winning sloppy over, you know, at least over just the last season. We've seen them struggle in September for five, six years before 2019. That's not that huge of a deal for me as watcher, you know, when it comes to watching the Saints. I know a lot of people are really upset about how sloppy September football is going to be. But the fact of the matter is that September football has been sloppy for a very long time. So I'm not really all too concerned about that. The big thing here is that you're going to spend, you know, up to the 13th day. Is it, is, yeah, up to the 13th day before you actually get helmets introduced, before you actually get started with practicing with pads on the 20th day. So this just means that it's going to be a slow buildup when it comes to camp. It's not going to be the same type of camps where you're going to, you know, fans are going to be getting information about who, you know, Emmanuel Butler had a big catch or what defensive back picked off Drew Brees or what linebackers doing this, that, and the other. You're not going to see all of that immediately. That's going to come. Don't get me wrong. But it's just going to take a little bit more time to get there because you're going to have the ramp up period, strength and conditioning. You're going to have, um, you know, virtual meetings still going on and things like that. So the on-field product of training camp just takes a little bit longer to get started. Now, the opt-out situation is a big conversation. And the opt-out situation is something that really they've got 10 days to opt out from this point because they have to opt out before August 1st. So the opt-out situation regarding, you know, how soon these players might say, I don't want to be a part of the season, or I am at risk and therefore don't want to be a part of the season, or I have family that's at risk and don't want to be a part of the season. That's a good move by the NFL to give players that option. And I think that we would all accept if any player said, I am at risk if they have, let's say, asthma, for instance, or any other respiratory issues. I mean, the the NFLPA and the NFL delivered or delivered, sorry, the NFLPA delivered to the NFL a list of what are considered high-risk individuals, right? The criteria that you have to meet to be considered a high-risk individual. They also are looking for the NFL to allow players to opt out based on the fact that they live or have family that are high-risk individuals, live with or have family. Those are all very important. But that situation, that conversation is going to come to an end pretty quickly because, again, there's only 10 days before we hit the deadline of when players should have opted out or had the option to opt out. So, we're not too far away from that no longer being news, right? So anybody that opts out, it's going to come quickly. And then the concern in terms of, oh, is another star player going to opt out beyond August 1st? It doesn't matter because it's not an option. So that's at least something to keep an eye out on for the next little bit. And then when it comes to salary and negotiations, I don't want to spoil the article, but go over to neworleans.football if you have a subscription there and check out Nick Underhill's newest work about how the Saints can manage the salary cap if the cap stays flat as well as what it means for the NFL, and not just the Saints, but the NFL, if the salary cap takes the big reduction that is being sort of tossed around as a projection, right? Going all the way down to $120 million, for instance, for salary cap. And why I don't think that's going to happen. I think that the NFL will be wise to say, yes, we'll install a flat cap next year, $198.2 million, which the Saints have already committed over $250 million to 2021, but they have a lot of different restructures, renegotiations. If Drew Brees retires, that makes a big that takes a big hit off of them as well. So there's a lot of different ways that the Saints can get back to that area. But I don't see the NFL saying, yes, we're going to absorb this humongous hit here in 2021 in order to make the next few years, you know, a little bit more conceivable if there's an option to spread the hit out over several years while your revenue is already increasing anyway. So that's just a little bit more detail about how these individual negotiations affect your New Orleans Saints specifically, but we'll get even more in detail here up next because one of our Twitter Tuesday questions that came in is what Saints are most affected by the limited offseason. So we're going to give some names 
talk a little bit more about these undrafted free agents in particular, as well as vets that are looking for jobs. Got that coming up for you next as we continue on with wrapping up the show on our Twitter Tuesday with your questions here on Locked on Saints, your team every day. All right, family, back on our regular schedule this week. So we got Twitter Tuesday today. Don't forget about Facebook Friday on Friday. If you want to take part in that, facebook.com slash group slash Locked on Saints. That way you can be a part of uh, the conversation there and all the other conversations that are going on over in the Locked on Saints Facebook group as well. But let's go ahead and get started with our Twitter Tuesday questions. We'll start off with Dale, Dale, Dale at Lil Dice 504 Will the Saints have a formal black and gold scrimmage as a result of losing the preseason? I'm going to tell you that I don't know. I don't have an answer to that question, but I will say that under the NFL's provisions, teams are allowed, despite not being allowed to have, at least recently, right? All these things are subject to change. But despite being told that you're not allowed to have fans at training camp, the original provision was that teams would be allowed to have two fan events later on before the regular season began. I don't know if that is something that is still in conversation, something that could still change within all these other negotiations, if it's still a negotiation point, whatever that may be. But if that's the case, then you could still see a black and gold game, for instance, here before the season opens up. There's a couple of things that I'm interested to see what happens, like who administers, who's responsible for administering tests to free agents that are visiting to try to get signed? Is it the visiting team, the hosting team that ends up administering that test? Or does the does the NFL essentially use the league doctors to administer those tests and then allow that player to go and visit any team that they want? Lots of different things that we still don't necessarily know. But that one we have a pretty good idea is possible, at least based upon the provision set forth by the league. Up next, we got another one from uh, at 56 Grizzly Media. This is my man, Keith. Uh, anytime that if y'all have gone over to the YouTube channel, the Saints, uh, the Canal Street Chronicles YouTube channel, then you see any of the video content that's there. That's Keith. Keith does all those highlight videos, the stingers uh, that open and close everything. Fantastic work. Go ahead and throw him a follow at 56 Grizzly Media. Incredible work. Uh, His question is, with the start of the season around the corner and not being able to attend a home opener as usual, how will the Saints soak in that fan energy and kick off the season? I'll tell you, I had an actual, actually an interesting uh, conversation, a little bit of a back and forth between myself and Jake Madison over at Locked on Pelicans because he observed on Locked on Pelicans that the bench is going to be huge for teams. It's going to be huge for team momentum. So teams that like each other are really going to stand out. I think you could see the same type of a response short of something that's going to draw a penalty that momentum ends up being built up by the benches and the other, you know, the, the teams that are in the league grabbing momentum from the guys that are cheering, going crazy on the sideline, music in between plays, things like that, which we've seen the Saints excel at from the very beginning. The Saints are just as good as any other team in the NFL is getting the home fans hype. Michael Thomas dancing, Alvin Kamara dancing, Drew Brees even danced at one point on the sidelines. Like all of those different things are going to be helpful toward the team that's at home and being able to, you know, hear the songs that they like and that are selected by, you know, their staff and everything like that, that are going to be a part of building momentum. All of that is going to factor in where there are no fans. The other part of it as well is just simply going to be that, look, that's the team that doesn't have to travel. Therefore, that team is going to have to deal with a little bit less stress, particularly traveling at this time as well as all of the other logistics that go into the restrictions of traveling because you can't take your own Uber to stadiums anymore. You have to take team buses. The, the travel and that experience is very limited and is very engaging and very kind of stressful for away teams, whereas for home teams, a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more understood based upon what it is that their daily routine is already anyway in reporting the camp. Uh, let's jump to a non-football question. This one comes from Dilly Sand- uh, Dylan Sanders, excuse me, at Dilly Sanders on Twitter, my co-host over at 
Full Press Radio, Dylan and Ross Save Sports, every Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, by the way, which you can catch on the Full Press Coverage app. He asked me what my day was like. Please answer on the pod. Uh, he's asking about yesterday. As I mentioned, yesterday was supposed to be uh, Megan and I's wedding day. Obviously, Lorona came out here cutting up, so that ended up pushing us back and having to reschedule and things like that. But we still had a very nice day. We did a big Zoom uh, call for like three hours with family and our bridal, you know, her bridal party, my you know, the wedding parties, I guess is the right phrase. Um, but we did all of that, and then we had some time together to just sit back. Like we've been watching the Mindy Project a ton, so we kicked back. We watched the Mindy Project, ate food. I asked her what it was, which like, what's your favorite food that you want right now? And her answer will forever be French fries. So we ordered some French fries and some other things to eat and everything. We just snacked, chilled, relaxed, and then spent some time with family all day. It was uh, it was pretty good. It was perfect, actually, uh, in, in terms of like what the situation is and what it has diverted away. This was a really great way to celebrate it with people that we love and people that we want to uh, surround ourselves with. So this was awesome. This was awesome. So I appreciate you asking about that. Uh, let's go to John at John C1 underscore. Main thing that I'd like to know is if players are going to sit out in the with the NFL season uh, coming up with coronavirus safety for them. Uh, they, along with everyone, deserve protection and a viable plan. I think you will see players. Uh, you will see players opt out. I think you absolutely will. And a lot of that is going to come down to what the what the financials are. Right now, the financial I think is one hundred and fifty thousand dollars that gets paid to them if they opt out. And things like that. But, you know, we'll see what that ends up being over time. But yeah, I think you absolutely will see players opt out and they deserve to have that option. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, just like the NBA, just like the MLB, simply put, they deserve to have that option. And, uh, you know, if they are or if they live with somebody that fits that criteria uh, as a high risk person, then they deserve to have that option. So I agree with you completely, John. Um, they should get that option and they will get that option. I do think you will see players opt out. I don't know to what extent in terms of stardom and things like that. But look, respiratory illnesses, pre-existing injuries, they don't care how much money you make every year. Just because you're a superstar doesn't mean that you don't have these issues that you have to, excuse me, not issues, these challenges that you have to, you know, overcome every single day of your life and now are further complicated by a global pandemic. That's going to affect anybody and everybody, regardless of how much money they make, regardless of how many catches they have in a season, regardless of how many yards they throw for in a season, how many interceptions they have, that doesn't care. It does not care. So I completely, completely agree. They deserve to have that protection. And I think you will see it. You will see players opt out of the 2020 season. And then we'll jump to uh, my good friend Graves over at uh, the Graves of Glory podcast. They cover the Vikings. He came through at Graves 07. Uh, are the Vikings going to knock out the Saints in the playoffs again? Or will the Saints miss it completely due to Teddy and Brady in the division? Thanks. I'll hang up and listen. Uh, just hang up. Just hang up. Don't worry about listening, Graves. Just hang up. No, I'm just playing. Graves is a good dude. Um, I think that the the Saints and the Vikings end up, well, they meet on Christmas Day, obviously. Um, but I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if they meet up in the playoffs again. I would certainly not like that just because luck doesn't seem to go the Saints way when they play against the Vikings in the playoffs as of late, although it has before. Graves, I'll remind you that the Saints destroyed the Vikings on the way to a uh, a Super Bowl, just as a reminder for you there. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But I don't think that Brady or Teddy will be really in position to stop the Saints from going to the playoffs, particularly new quarterbacks, new systems, new coaches, new players, new chemistry, new communication in an offseason that doesn't really exist. So I don't think that they're really going to have the time to really build anything up. 2021, I think, is that those two teams' years to really take a big step forward. I'll be interested to see how quickly they can catch their rhythm going into the uh, 2020 season, though. And then finally, our last question comes from Bud Thundergun. Fantastic name, by the way, at Nola Marino 05. He asked about uh, what do what Saints does the limited offseason hurt the most? So 
this really comes down to undrafted free agents. It comes down to veteran free agents that are kind of the the journeyman of the NFL. James Hurst, for instance, who's also suspended for the first four games of the season, which actually may end up working to his advantage based on the fact that while he's serving that suspension, he won't count against the Saints 53-man roster. So that's worth mentioning. But when it comes down to who this affects the most, you look at those guys. Now, there are some other players like Cole Wick, who's a tight end, as well as Juwan Johnson, who's a wide receiver out of Oregon. Both of these guys, well, sorry, Juwan Johnson, undrafted free agent, Cole Wick, and a a few years into the NFL now. But those guys may actually end up having a spot based on the fact that the team, the the Saints want to focus a little bit more on two two tight end sets. Those guys can both play at tight end. Uh, Cole Wick is a natural tight end. Uh, Juwan Johnson, they've talked about moving the tight end. So they may end up getting a spot throughout the the offseason based on the fact that the Saints are going to want to work on those two tight end sets all the way down first, second and third team. So there will be some guys that stick around that maybe feel a little bit more surprising, but it comes down to what the Saints are going to want to do in camp. And then when it gets to the 53 man roster cuts, you might not see those guys. I would venture to say you won't see either of those guys on the 53 man roster. But the ones that are going to be hurt the most are the guys that haven't had an opportunity to get anything on paper, that haven't gotten physicals done yet, that haven't been able to really get started yet with this team based on the fact that they came in as undrafted free agents and haven't been able to come in and do any type of uh, you know medical check or anything like that, that may end up getting cut before camp even begins if the camp roster gets cut down to 75 as opposed to 90. All right, y'all, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thank you to everybody who took a moment to drop a question in for Twitter Tuesday. Come back tomorrow. We'll just continue to keep you up to date with everything going on, of course, with the Saints, but also with these negotiations, NFLPA, NFL, all the things that are going on there and any updates that we have. We're seeing a lot of rookies, as we talked about on Monday's episode, a lot of rookies signing contracts. Hopefully, maybe the Saints will get some of that started here, although it doesn't look like the Saints are really planning on reporting rookies early this season. So we'll see exactly how it goes. Continue to keep you updated with everything going on with your New Orleans Saints, of course. And then come Thursday, we'll have an interview coming through. And then Friday, of course, we'll wrap up the week with Facebook Friday. Now that we're back to our regular schedule and our usual programming and everything, you know how it goes. So very excited to be able to continue on uh, as we continue to move through into what has been a very confusing uh, and very complicated offseason, but getting closer and closer to training camp being underway, especially now with the progress made with these negotiations. So thank you very much, as always, y'all, for coming through. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. If you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe, drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and Trust Who That Nation. I'll holla at you.